gmail.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B on the SFD. This is the Super Flex Super Show. And here we go, Tommy, with some... We we, uh, we put this out uh, two episodes ago um, that... Uh, that you know, it, it's just such a great time of year um, for for our super friends to kind of put out those the questions and the thoughts and the concerns that they've got right at this moment. Such a great time to do that. We say it at the end of every podcast. We get to really focus in on the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. And uh, we we actually had a few people take us up on this because we said, hey, like, send us some stuff like let's. Let's talk about what's going on for you. We could talk about what's going on for us all day, every day, but we really want to hear what's going on for the super friends. And so we've got a few of those. So maybe we should talk about those today. Absolutely. And before we get too far, I just want to thank Zach, the tacit assassin for jumping on with us last week. I said probably 20 words and they were 20 wasted words because everything he was saying was super educational for me. I took a lot out of it and I hope, you did as well. But this is really what gets me going is the questions from the super friends. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. So I, I do have to clarify something. It's not that my voodoo magic uh, has, has run out already. after <laughs> one guest. Like, we're legitimately gonna get J Mike on here. So it's just a matter of uh, uh schedules matching up properly so yeah he's not on this week but we've got him coming very soon um scott sidlow is uh gonna make his return to the super show before too long too just uh just to kind of keep my streak going every week of calling out somebody new um <laughs> scott sidlow get ready uh yeah start doing your your push-ups your calisthenics get ready for the super show um but yeah j mike is is coming up but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it actually kind of worked out really well because now we do get this opportunity to um, to kind of take a step back and and again, just kind of zero in on those topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. Um, and then uh, and then we'll kind of get back to the stuff that we want to talk about and we'll just kind of, you know, yo-yo back and forth, basically. But yeah, awesome, awesome conversation with Zach. Um and uh, yeah, the rest of these these uh, the guests that we're going to have on throughout this non-point scoring season, it's just going to be more of the same, man. Um, we've we we really kind of curate this guest list, um, so we've got the the absolute best. <laughs> we sure do. Um, enough stalling, though. What do you say we get into these questions? Why don't you share the first one uh, you had? This DM that was sent to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we say this part all the time too. like DM us uh, with questions, thoughts, concerns, whatever. Um, we're not going to shout you out. We're going to keep you anonymous. I assume that you're DMing me for a reason uh, because you don't want uh, the rest of your league to see this. So um, if you want to shout out, you got to You got to either tell me that part or you've got to just at me with it. Um, but yeah, this one came in DMS. So, what moves are you looking to make when you have abundance at a position? Does a position change the process? Example, I have a 2023 championship roster with CD lamb, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Jalen Waddle, T Higgins, Jackson Smith, Najigla, 
Jonathan Mingo, Wandale Robinson, Elijah Moore. That's like an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, do you trade Lamb after a wide receiver one overall season to get the greatest return? Do you trade tier two guys like T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle to keep core, uh, but still get, get good value? Do you trade young, unproven wide receivers like Mingo and JSN uh, to let someone else take on that risk? Um, different examples of rosters in uh, leagues I'm in. Um, my rebuild league at running back, I've got Brees Hall, James Cook, Kenneth Walker, uh, Rashad White, Raheem Mostert, Brian Robinson, uh, Zamir White, uh, Gus Edwards, Zach Moss, Pierre Strong, Eric Gray. So um, strong running back group. Um, and then there's another league where he's a contender. He's got tight ends, Kyle Pitts, uh, Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, Johnny Smith, Donald Parham. And then a team that he's rebuilding and quarterback is strong with Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Desmond Ritter, Ryan Tannehill, Jake Browning. As I read those names, I was like, actually, like it's uh, it, it, it is an abundance of something. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, we'll keep it PG rated as to what that's an abundance of. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a there a lot of quarterbacks there that he could um, potentially use in the rebuild. So, I mean, we could kind of, like, he really kind of gave us examples at every position, which I love because um, I don't know about you, but to me, the, the, this question, the answer to this question starts with, it depends on the position, right? It totally does. It absolutely should as well. Um, and it, it also depends on your scoring settings, the starting requirements, the tendencies of your league mates, there's all sorts of externalities, but I want to focus on just having, you know, this glut of wealth at certain positions. I always think of like an old oil prospector in Texas in the 1800s and they swing their pickaxe down and, you know, there's just a gusher of oil. That championship roster with CeeDee Lamb and AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Waddle, Higgins, Jason, I mean, it just goes on and on. That's, that's the image that's stuck in my head. I'm going to ask you, John, how many teams do you have that have this type of abundance at any position? Is this something that you're running into? Um, I've got a few of those. I mean, I think the big one is probably, I mean, I've, you know, I've got some QBX rosters. I don't call the, I wouldn't consider that an abundance of quarterback. Sure. Um, that's kind of my quota. So, you know, <laughs> if I've got five of them, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I've got a league, for instance, where I have uh, I I have a ton of running backs, mm-hmm. um, like good startable, you know, high value, high leverage running backs, um, and they just kept hitting throughout the season, you know. So I had Devin Achan, and I and I had Bijan Robinson, and then I and then Ty J Spears, I had just kind of waiting. I had uh, Chase Brown, just kind of waiting on taxi, like. It just, it just, it just kept coming to, and it got kind of got to a point where every running back is startable. Um, it, 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 you know, in a, in a compartmentalized, uh, segment of the season, um, which 
you know, how helpful is that necessarily? I, you know, I kind of, I, I question that, but, um, you know, it, but it ended up being kind of the end of the season type of guys, um, ended up being, you know, very late season type of guys, some early season and some late season. And, uh, so, you know, to so basically, so I end the season with just a ton of value at running back. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, when we get to running back, I guess we can talk about that one a little bit too. Well, let's just start there. When you have this glut of running backs, here's how I perceive it. And I want to see if if you do the same way. It feels a very clear cut process. People don't want to trade for running backs. When they do, they're usually trading injured players for running backs, right? Um, they're contending or they're somewhere in the middle and they're trying to make a push. And so if I have a plethora of running backs, that's what I'm doing. I'm trading for injured players or I'm just using up the production and building in some insulation against the fact that attrition is really high at that position. And so to me, that's like the most cut and dry, simple position. When you have an excess, those are really the only two things that I do with that position. Do you disagree? Do you approach it the same way? Do you have other experience at that position? No, I, yeah, I, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move to quarterback though. Like I know that there's some teams where you do this QBX thing and it really works out well. Some rookies hit, some players are overperforming. How do you navigate a glut at the quarterback position? Um, Do you, do you hold, are you willing to ship guys off? Are you looking actively to ship guys off? Um, I think you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, I mean, for me to have a glut of quarterbacks, like if we're talking about six or seven minimum, you know, um, and this is part of why we want to talk to Scott Sidlow, talk to him in the past about this, but he's got a roster um, where the, in a league that I'm in where, you know, at any, at any given point, he's got like seven or eight starting NFL quarterbacks and, he still just keeps drafting them. He keeps picking them up, picking them off of, uh, of waivers. And it's just like, he, he's relentless about it. And so like, that's kind of what it would have to look like for me. And, uh, so yeah, we'll get his thoughts too on, um, on, you know, how that changes his approach to the position. Once he gets to that point, obviously he doesn't stop acquiring them, but what does he do once he's got them? Um, but for me, I think that there it does present kind of an opportunity because, you know, the more quarterbacks you have, kind of the smaller the the universe of quarterbacks for uh, for other people to draw from, and so just kind of, um, you know, just just doing the math, like it, you know, there's first of all we're probably down to around right at the moment, probably 24 to 28 starting NFL quarterbacks that we're confident in who aren't rookies who are already in the league. Um, so we're pretty confident that we've, you know, the, the that those guys are going to be starters. And um, I, I, man, 24 tops come to think of it. Yep. Like you could kind of earmark some rookie picks, I guess, especially if you've got like one one you or you know if you've got a top 3 pick you can say all right that's a quarterback um but for the most part you know there're going to be a lot of people who 
are down to one, maybe two quarterbacks. There's just not enough to go around if you've got five plus. You know, it, that's kind of a feature of quarterback extreme and always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so those people are probably looking for some quarterback depth. And I think that you have an opportunity there to um, to start to upgrade those quarterbacks if you send them away two at a time. You know, yeah. so it, it like it 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 kind of helps. Uh, you could potentially shift from quarterback extreme to arms race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if uh, if you're so inclined, that's kind of not the point of quarterback extreme. So um, so I don't necessarily do that, but. Um, but I'm willing to, and I also, I just recognize the, the type of leverage that I have in those situations because I'm the quarterback store. I'm the one person who can actually commoditize them and sell them. Absolutely. And you're not like the dollar general. You're like Versace when you right. have quarterback. <laughs> like right. having a bunch of quarterbacks is really a choose your own adventure in the dynasty market. If you fall into this, you can do essentially whatever strategy you want to. Um, you can trade them away, rebalance your roster. You can get contending pieces, rebuilding pieces. Like it is really great the flexibility that you get, and that's why I'm fascinated by what Scott Sidlow's doing. And that's going to be one of my questions: is like, how do we navigate this when we get to seven, eight, nine starting quarterbacks? But let's say you hold your quarterbacks. I see a lot of challenges in that. And I just want to be really transparent about some of those pitfalls. Um, So A, it's a difficult thing to get into. So don't just think that it's going to happen. Um, But it creates some fragile builds as well. If you have five or six starting quarterbacks, by default, your roster construction is going to be a little out of alignment. And so you're going to be weak somewhere in a numbers basis at a different position. Um, And so you're going to be more prone to injury variants or underperformance or benchings, those types of scenarios. Um, And then you're just sort of locked out of a portion of the trade market if you're insulating and holding your value at quarterback. So you may not have as as many trade partners because you have this Fort Knox of value that you're not really willing to to let go of. And so I'm going to say something that may be controversial as the arms race guy, but I'm starting to think about what I could do with those assets. There are certain ways to lock everyone out of the market, but if I don't want to deal with all that BS, if I don't want to deal with having to be really agile on waivers and work in different trade markets than everyone else, it's not a bad idea to flood the market back with these quarterbacks and sort of disrupt how everything is operating and choose where those quarterbacks go as well. That's not a bad strategy. Strategy is just like a process. There is no like, silver bullet in how we navigate these things. And I think if you have a ton of quarterbacks, you have a lot of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the other side of it too, you know, for where I say like, you can, you can combine them to tear up. You can also, you can still tear down at quarterback and, and be just fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's going to help you to upgrade some of those other positions that, like you said, are kind of just necessarily weak, weakened by uh your roster construction so um yeah i mean there's there's it 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 depends a little bit on the market it depends a little bit on um your own comfort level uh that's that's a big part of it um 
you know, for like, if, uh, for you, um, you know, trying to stay in kind of the upper tier of quarterbacks for the most part, um, you know, it, it, it can be a very different approach from somebody who's comfortable just with standard QBX and, you know, is okay with having just kind of some middle of the road type of starters. Um, so, you know, it, it, and there's no right answer there. There's a right answer for me. There's a right answer for you. Each person has their own right answer, but there, it's not like there's this universal truth. Uh, as far as what that needs to look like. So, yeah, I mean, strategize based on how you want it to look and how you're going to be the most comfortable and the most confident. What I would maybe do if this was an unconventional roster construction for me is I'd just try it out for a year. If if you don't like it, you can usually trade quarterbacks away the next year. You're probably mm-hmm. not going to hurt that much for it. So if if you've lucked into, you know, CJ Stroud, let's say, and he ends up being, you know, one of a powerhouse of three or four quarterbacks on your roster, just ride it out for eight games and see if you like it. Yep, absolutely. Um, so kind of to, to focus on uh, my man's uh, um, example here, though, because this is kind of different, right? Mm-hmm. This is, um, you know, so again, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Desmond Ritter, Ryan Tannehill, Jake Browning. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quarterbacks there, quote unquote quarterbacks. So this is, this is the thing. And I haven't said this in a long time. That's part of the, that's probably part of the problem, but, uh, the uh the kind of the definition of a quarterback for me in the context of QBX they have to be an NFL starter like i have to know that they're an NFL starter or there's got to be at least a clear path to it you know like if it's a if it's a rookie with a bridge quarterback in front of him i'll still call that the the rookie quarterback he i'll still call him a quarterback mhm Mac Jones, I don't call him a quarterback. I mean, he doesn't really he he he's not a quarterback by any definition. But uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo at this point isn't really a quarterback. Um, just for these purposes, it just kind of helps us to organize things a little bit. It's not meant to be uh insulting to those guys. Um, although that's kind of a nice byproduct, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, suck it mac jones <laughs> <laughs> you're not even a quarterback yeah. <laughs> you're just a guy on a sideline yeah it's... i mean he's not he's not taking snaps he's not throwing footballs he's just standing there holding a clipboard and wearing a visor like yeah <laughs> not a quarterback. <laughs> he's as much of a quarterback as i am at that at that point you know <laughs> so... that's the problem with living in this range though is there's kind of a thanos principle half these guys get wiped away from the from the fantasy universe each year mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's but that's where it's kind of important to organize it this way so you're not uh kind of convincing yourself that you've got more quarterbacks than you actually do you know mm-hmm. um so to to make sure and say and you know, in this case, yeah, like this was a this was a full quarterback room going into 2023, but now you're down to two, maybe one, even you know, like some of these guys probably have a shot to start 
somewhere. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Tannehill seems to, like the most likely to find a starting job uh, of the, of the guys other than Matthew Stafford. Uh, maybe Garoppolo bridges somewhere to someone. Um, but even then, I I I just doubt it. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, I just don't think anyone's interested in that at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, like this one really kind of starts with uh, how many quarterbacks do you actually have? And by my count, I would say one for sure with Stafford. I think, like I said, I think Tannehill has a chance to start somewhere. I think. I think Browning is one of the 32 best quarterbacks on earth. Um, so, you know, you, maybe you hold on to him and hope to find a starting job at some point, but the rest of these guys, I mean, they're just kind of taking up roster space. And if they do end up back in a starting role, I think you're probably going to be able to pick them back up off of waivers. Like, you know, if you if you drop them at some point here through the non-point scoring season, and you know if your rosters expand, your dynasty rosters expand to where you don't have to make any cuts just yet. Um, maybe some leagues make you do it before the rookie draft. Most leagues just make you do it at some point over the summer before the season starts. Um, if you can get away with doing that, then this is a non-issue. But um, I guess the kind of what I'm driving at here is if you did have to drop Mac Jones, I don't think anyone's going to rush to pick him up. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think that there's somebody that would pick up a Mac Jones, depending on how deep the rosters are, but I get your point And I think it's a good one. There are a couple different ways to approach this. Um, we could take a time machine back to 12 months ago and say like, Hey, you have all these tenuous situations at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. whoever is underperforming, who has an established track record of being good, a la Dak Prescott, let's say, who really struggled the first month or so of the season, trade as many of these guys as you need to, to get into that profile. So moving forward for, any of the super friends that are in this type of situation, maybe not with these names, but these profiles, just grab whoever gets hurt or who is underperforming. But we're living with a reality right now of having Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera, on this roster. We can't liquidate these guys. There is no way to get any draft pick equity out of any of these players, really, aside from Matt Stafford, which you can't get that much probably. And so my recommendation would be to move these players into ugly cross-positional profiles, move into running back specifically. Mm -hmm. I would like to find ways to put these potential roster cloggers on someone else's team and try to get whatever I can out of players that nobody likes right now. James Conner, for example, somebody who will probably have a secure role and some production, which will lead to... I don't know, a late second round pick come October, maybe a couple thirds, something like that. That's how I would approach this specific quarterback room is I would try to get out and I would try to get cross positional as fast as possible. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, that that sounds right. I And I, I, I guess that was kind of my point, too, is that um, I more than anything, kind of what we're both saying in a different way is 
uh, you can't approach this like you've got seven quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't have seven quarterbacks worth of, of, uh, of value and you don't have, uh, you know, you're not going to get seven quarterbacks worth of productivity here. You really kind of have to, you still have to approach the quarterback position as a position of weakness for this particular roster, even yep. with seven guys who put on their resume on their business card that they're NFL quarterbacks. They're, they're not so like you can't, you have to kind of approach it as, all right, so I'm trying to rebuild this quarterback room. Um, and you know, to, to truly be at a position of strength and at quarterback is to be able to say, all right, this is a position that I don't have to address this year and probably not for several years. Like that's, that's what it looks like to actually be strong at quarterback. Absolutely. And to be able to survive an ACL tear, if you're looking at a quarterback and you say like, what happens if he misses, you know, 13 games next year, is he still going to be an okay asset? If the answer is yes, you have a quarterback. If not, let's not count him as a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to a different position, I feel like we should talk a little bit about the the running backs Um, just because he gave us his, his example. And uh, we we didn't talk about that one. We just kind of talked just, you know, broadly about running backs. But again, so uh, he's in a rebuild, but his running back group, Brees Hall, James Cook, Kenneth Walker, Rashad White, uh, Raheem Moster, Brian Robinson, Zamir White, um, Gus Edwards, Zach Moss, Pierre Strong, Eric Gray. Like, I mean, that is that's like the that's the group of running backs that you want. But like, that's kind of like that. You want that to kind of be the last step, right? At least that's, that's what I do. I'm curious if you do it the the same way is to like detail the roster with a group of running backs like this. It's a pretty impressive group of running backs. And it, it, I would guess that the roster construction looks pretty good as well. I'm wondering if you're in a rebuild with this team or if you just want to be in a rebuild with this team. True. (laughs) I I think you could get to somewhere in contention if, if this is your running back room with just average wide receiver play and a veteran tight end and streaming quarterbacks, because that is, um, I mean, we've got what (laughs) multiple top 12 running backs from last year. Uh, some folks are a little older. I get that Raheem Mostert is going to be 32 going into the season. However, there are plenty of options here up and down this roster that I think could hit and you could have multiple top 12 running backs again. So let's say John, that your team is a little bit weak at wide receiver. You've got, you know, a couple of wide receivers in the 36 to 50 range nothing special at tight end and, you know, something at quarterback, but nothing that's really going to move the needle. What are you doing with these running backs? I mean, I think you're right. I think you can turn that into a contender. The, so the key indicator for me is quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and, you know, back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago about rebuilding and when to rebuild and what type of rebuild are we looking at? Uh, like, I, I think that the the part that we never really said out loud, but kind of danced around is it all starts with the quarterback position. Yep. Um, you know, tell me what you've got at quarterback and I'll tell you uh, the state of your overall team. Um, and so, you know, if 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 we've got something at quarterback, if we've got, um, you know, a, a, 
at least one, uh, you know, solid every week starter. Um, like to me, this is just kind of a quick reload, you know, with the running back position being ready to go. Um, I don't think you want to touch it I don't necessarily. I mean, Raheem Mostert's old. Gus Edwards isn't that good. Like there's, there's some small moves to make there, Mm -hmm. I guess. But for the most part, you know, I think that you want to stay within the position when you move those guys. Um, And beyond that, like, you know, I, I think that if you've got at least something at quarterback, uh, this is, you, you just hold tight with those running backs and, uh, you know, figure out that last piece at quarterback, find next, next year's Baker Mayfield, whoever that's going to be. Ryan Tannehill is my guess right at the moment. That's my nomination here in February, but you know, find the guys like that, that are going to have that type of, uh, that type of, of leap to becoming an every week starter and maybe take a shot at a few of those guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if, we can approach this a little bit differently um, and move Brees Hall into a quarterback. It would make the other running backs down the line a little bit more relevant because you're more likely to start them and just move Brees into something like a Trevor Lawrence, somewhere in that tier of QB nine to 15. Um, I found that that range to be really accessible right now. And the reason I'm saying this is, running back ADP is the least reflective of production compared to other positions because of injury, because of touchdown variance. We, we know Brees Hall is good. I'm not denying that, but you could also get really strong performances from a James Cook or any of these other guys that would match what Brees Hall can do in one given season. If touchdown luck goes their way, or if they get a bunch of receptions, whatever there's, there's ceiling outcomes in a lot of these guys that I want access to. And I wouldn't mind moving off the very top of my running back room in the quarterback. So uh, real quick, just it, uh, like, this isn't a rec- rhetorical question at all. I'm, I'm legitimately curious because I haven't yeah. heard this. Uh, in what way is running back ADP and running back productivity? Uh, w- like, where's the discrepancy? Like, in which direction? Uh, it pulls from the depths up. So mediocre running backs in RB 16 to 30, they're they're pretty likely to to end up there. But from the depths, running backs move up. It's, it's not a running back dead zone conversation. That's entirely different. Um, I'm saying that touchdown variance pushes these unknown running backs into crazy heights. Think Kyron Williams, think Raheem Mostert, who had 22 touchdowns. He was probably RB 50 going into the season, right? Mm-hmm. We couldn't have predicted that. If you take away, you know, all of those goal line touches, which you can't do in a practical sense, like that's, that's the ceiling elevator for him. That's what happened. He scored a shitload of touchdowns. That's why he was good this year. Um, those are the the profiles that we can't predict. We don't buy into because we don't understand them because we're not head coaches of NFL football teams. So that's what I'm saying is you can just beat the position with volume because when you have a lot of volume, you have more luck. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that's a pretty important point too, because, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so part of the problem is I think that a lot of people's instinct would be to trade Brees Hall. Um, but it's just kind of like it, it starts with this um, kind of this uh, this just like innate belief that that running back doesn't really matter, you know, um, and it, like the, it, it starts with just kind of devaluing the position as a whole and saying, um, like, it doesn't matter if I have running backs or not. Um, and, and, you know, all that matters is quarterback in, well, man, too many people don't even give that credence to the quarterback position. It's all about wide receivers right now. We end, yeah. I end up complaining about this every week, but that's just kind of where we're at, uh, in the zeitgeist at the moment for mm-hmm. dynasty is, is wide receiver. That's all, that's all that matters. That's all you need. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, so I think that people are going to be a little bit more willing to trade Brees Hall than they should be. Um, and I, I'm I'm fine with trading Brees Hall. Um, I'm not fine with trading Brees Hall because he's a running back. I'm I'm good with training with trading Brees Hall because he should he's a high value dynasty asset. Exactly. It's there's a handful of guys at the running back position that do carry that elite value. And that's the only reason I would suggest trading Brees Hall is because yeah. I'm looking at a, at trades like you can get essentially Joe Burrow um, for Brees Hall with an adder. You can, you can do a lot with Brees Hall right now. You can get into Justin Jefferson with Brees Hall. You can, you can move him in ways that are really aligned with how you and I want to build teams, which is lean and mean and highly productive at wide receiver and quarterback heavy. Brees Hall is a good player to have on your team. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't want to roster him. I'm saying if your running back room is this impressive, there's mm-hmm. even more reason to cash in on that value this non-point scoring season. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, like I said, that's an important distinction to make, I think. Totally. Um, so we have two other questions we want to get to. So we might want to just uh, fire through the uh, the other two positions real quick. But let's talk about tight end for a second. I know mm-hmm. this is one that uh, that you're that you're pretty passionate about. Um, this having this type of of tight end group on a contender: Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, Johnny Smith, Donald Parham. Like, is that something that that you feel good about? Uh, for a contender or do you want to rework that a little bit? You know, John, I'm a little nervous about this tight end room. I think that Pitts is probably due for the season that we were promised, but we've been saying that for how many years now, Dallas Goddard is a trade for candidate. In my opinion, I'm excited about him. Um, Hmm. We'll see with Pat Fryermuth. The last two guys I I couldn't really care less about, to be (laughs) honest with you. Yeah. Um, but it, it's lacking the clear number one guy that I would feel good about every single week. Yeah. And so I would wonder if there's some way we can reshape this to maybe get Travis Kelsey. I've been trading a lot for Travis Kelsey over the past few days, and he's super affordable. He can be had for the 112 right now. I know because I did it today. And that to me would be awesome with this tight end room. Like having Pitts and Travis Kelsey with Goddard as your number three to me signals that I'm a contender. I have built a position of strength and I'm here to, you know, put up 18 points per game at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I kind of like that. Like, and I, so I get what you're saying with Goddard. I, I feel like your best trade package here, uh, in terms of, um, you know, giving you the most value while also leaving you with some upside would be to package Goddard and Fryermuth. And I wonder if that gets you to that number one guy to where Kyle Pitts is kind of your secondary guy with the upside, um, which is what Kyle Pitts really should have been all along. Like he should have, he should have been kind of the lotto ticket behind the, the sturdy solid starter. Pitts belongs with one of three guys, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, or Mark Andrews. If you can get him with one of those three, you're going to feel really secure about your position. Yeah. And the thing is like, that's kind of a hard, uh, a hard roster build to get to. Um, Again, I mean, it's, it's a needle thread for one thing to get Mm -hmm. pits plus one of three guys. And they just happen to be three, the three best, you know, long-term veterans. Um, So like it is, so it's a, it's a hard mix to get to, but you know, in a situation like this, I think you can probably get there. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a feeling that that Goddard Fryermuth. I mean, you might have to slip in some draft capital or something. Mm-hmm. Um, throw throw someone a coveted wide receiver if you've got him, and I think that it it gets you whoever it is that you want. To be a contender, you have to be strong at tight end. I firmly believe that. I think Pitts is a great asset to have. I wouldn't advocate trading him away. I, I firmly believe though that you can bolster the position with one of these older guys and they are pretty accessible this time of year because oh no they're they're 30 or close to it (laughs) what do you think about these wide receivers then i again this this group is absolutely loaded so won a championship with this roster naturally uh cd lamb probably led the way aj brown helped him get there i'm sure um dk metcalf jalen waddle uh, T. Higgins, Jackson Smith, Najigba, uh, Jonathan Mingo, Wandale Robinson, Elijah Moore. Like that's that it, it it's like there's no fat there. <laughs> like, I, like like Jonathan Mingo is probably at the end of your roster at that point, at the end of your bench. Um, and I mean that's still a lot of upside, you know. Um, to a point where I like, I don't think you want to drop Jonathan Mingo in a reasonable size dynasty league, right? Mm-hmm. Not yet. I mean, there's still time for him. I, I don't have a lot of optimism, but now's not the time to drop him. The question was though, what do you do with lamb after his big season? I, I think you might have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm for sure trading lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the wide receiver one overall season is just uh, it, 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 it just kind of, it's almost like it's cursed a little bit. Like it was great when it happened, but then you just kind of, you don't get that again from that guy. You certainly aren't going to get it again next year, um, which means, you know, CD lamb right now is at peak values. There are some people who have him as wide receiver one overall in dynasty right now because of the season he just had, Mm -hmm. which is an overreaction to what just happened without considering what is going to happen in the future which is what you're trading for you're trading for his future product productivity you're not getting those points retroactively so uh like we've we've seen this happen way too many times and what happens is you know they get overvalued because of the season they just had 
because the expectation is all right. So that now that's their floor. That's his floor. That's what he's going to do from now on, which is almost never the case. Uh, and then when it doesn't happen, the value comes back down at least somewhat like the fact that Justin Jefferson right now is, is, is in the conversation for wide receiver three uh, with Jamar Chase and Amon Ross St. Brown, because he spent so much of the season injured, like his value just kind of just dropped just a little bit to where now he's in a buy window. Mm -hmm. So uh, like, we just want to be on the right side of those markets shifting. Right. So with, uh, with CD lamb, uh, when he's at peak value, I mean, this is economics 101. We want to sell high, uh, and then we can buy him back low because he's going to, it's going to drop when he doesn't replicate 2023. So, um, like where I think that there are some conversations we can have with this group, there are kind of a lot of different ways to approach this. Yeah. The one thing I don't like saying that a player is a must trade but I think CD lamb might be the one must trade player in the NFL. I like the rationale. Um, let's say you're frozen out of the quarterback market though. You can't get any of the top dozen or so guys. What are you doing with lamb? Are you trying to cash in for picks? How, how steep would the premium have to be at tight end to shoot for, let's say like a Sam Laporta profile. How do you get out of lamb? How, how actionably do you get out of this guy? Uh, so like I said, to me, he's, he's kind of a must trade to a point where like, if you can't, if you can't get, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver equivalent to his value, I still think you just liquidate his value. Like, even if it means, um, I mean, you put him on the trade block, see who gives you the, the, you know, the biggest overall package of veteran players and rookie picks. Um, and you know, you, you, like you end up with just kind of moving laterally in terms of value, but now you have a lot more ways that you can operate, uh, without losing that value, you know, when again, he doesn't do in 2024, what he just did in 2023. Totally. Are you actively looking for the Tyreek Hill in a first type deal? Um, or is this something where, you would be comfortable moving strictly into future draft capital. I, I get nervous when someone offers me only draft picks for one of these really strong assets. I kind of want to do the the deal where I get a known profile and a draft pick. Yeah, I think so too. I also think that a, a pretty important piece of this would be to uh, – to use this opportunity to, to kind of cut down on uh, the dependence on wide receivers for yeah. your roster, you know, like this is a good opportunity to, um, to, uh, because you can, you can, you, first of all, I, you're most likely going to be able to cash in at quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think you can get a quarterback for CD lamb straight up, which is ridiculous. There's <laughs> like a wide receiver should never get you a quarterback in Superflex Dynasty. But I think CD Lamb could do it. And so like that's the first push is try and take advantage of that because that's way too stupid not to. Um that like that's it that's just such a ridiculous idea that like you have to pursue it, you know. Uh but I you know it's also a good opportunity to 
um, to move into some, you know, maybe some tight ends uh, or running backs, either one, because um, he's going to get you, uh, you know, a, a, a running back who has um, honestly probably more upside and uh, just as much floor as CD Lamb plus something. And like he's going to get you the running back one overall, whoever you determine that to be, whether it's Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, you know, um, Brees Hall, J- uh, Jonathan Taylor, like whoever, whoever you want to, if you want to stick with Christian McCaffrey, whoever it is, you're going to get that guy plus for CD Lamb, which again is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It sh- that should not happen. You might get two of them. <laughs> yeah, very possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you got, especially if you aim just a little bit lower, you know, and yeah. got got something like, uh, uh, I mean, I think, you know, Jameer Gibbs is probably a good target. And I don't know, maybe Travis Etienne or, or, or you know, somebody in that range. I bet you get two of them for CD Lamb. Yeah. And that's, you... that's pathetic. <laughs> that's yeah. It's bonkers, man. What are you doing with yeah. like the Higgins and Waddle profiles, though? Yeah, that's the part where I feel like you and I can can strategize a little bit. Like I I don't f- there's not a question in, a question in my line with in my mind with CD Lamb, um, and I hate to say that because I love CD Lamb, mm-hmm. but he j- he just gifted you with the ultimate sell opportunity. You have to take advantage of it. But from there, yeah, I mean, do you do you so? I think that you and I are probably in agreement here, right? That you want to this is just too many wide receivers it's too many by only a couple though i think we're pretty close to being in the right roster construction but i i wouldn't mind losing one or two okay so there's nine and Mm -hmm. so we don't know the size of the rosters we don't know the starting requirements so just kind of going off of a basic like 28 player roster in a Mm -hmm. 12 team league where you start two of them with you know two or three flex spots um to me i i want to cut this in half he's got nine of them i think i want to get it down to like four or five let me clarify Mm -hmm. jonathan mingo wandale robinson and elijah moore they aren't wide receivers they're thanos in in my universe as well they don't exist so you do it to wide receivers what i do to quarterbacks Oh, totally. Yeah. I I would probably be liquidating them regardless into something else. Um, But for this conversation, yeah, they don't exist for me. (laughs) See, I I definitely don't mind Elijah Moore. Um, I don't mind Jonathan Mingo. Uh, Wanda Robinson doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's like, like what's, what's the upside, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't see it, but I also don't know what they're going to do a quarterback for sure. I kind of think they're probably st- stuck with Daniel Jones, um, which tells me I want nothing to do with the receiving group. Um, but like, there's kind of two different ways to approach this because those guys, uh, you know, if you wanted to just kind of farm the next wave of wide receivers, you hang on to Elijah Moore and Jonathan Mingo and those guys have an opportunity to take a, a step or two um, up the escalator for you mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, make whoever else you have ahead of those guys expendable. Yep. So like kind of, the, there's kind of two different approaches you could consider here to me. You could either, if you want to cut some, 
cut down on some of this wide receiver depth. You could either pull from either end. You could be sending away like an AJ Brown with an Elijah Moore. Yeah. You could do a trade like that, or you can pull from the middle, trade away guys like T Higgins and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Jalen Waddle. Um, like to me, you kind of do one or the other, but like they, they both do something very similar, you know? Yeah, they really do. And that's really the position. Sorry, I just dropped a glass. <laughs> uh, that's the position. And so when we're talking about capitalizing, it's really just picking whoever the market values the most and, and shipping them along and keeping the rest of the production in line. Um, I don't I don't really mind having any of these guys on my roster. I think they're all productive mm-hmm. members of a contending roster. And I think that they probably will have some form of trade value over the next 18 months. And so I don't mind having any of them. I also don't mind moving any of them. To me, this is, if quarterback is a choose your own adventure, then wide receiver is almost letting someone else take their hand and put it on the steering wheel and guide you where you need to go in terms of who you're keeping and who you're moving. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of think that the move is to uh, to single out the the guys who are going to get you the greatest return. Um, it's, it, you know, and I don't think that it's going to be obviously the guys at the top necessarily. Um, Absolutely not. The market is fickle and incorrect all the time. And it's even worse when you zoom straight into a 12 team league and figure out what the biases are of 11 other managers. They don't act the right way. The market acts incredibly inefficiently and we're all hot and bothered over wide receivers right now so i think it's an opportunity to really explore what it is you can get for any and all of these guys yeah and the universe gets really ageist when none of these guys are scoring points like they're so yeah like aj brown i think is not going to get you nearly the uh the return that t higgins is and that's kind of that's that's pretty crazy too I mean, granted, the way the season ended for A.J. Brown probably contributes to that, and I Mm -hmm. think that that part's fair. But just based on age and based on the fact that T. Higgins looks like he's probably going to uh, leave in free agency and go get, you know, a more of an alpha type of role somewhere else. Like if he landed in Arizona, he's clearly the wide receiver one, you know, Um, and and so that's still kind of flawed logic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, is he really better off in Arizona than he was being the number two to Jamar Chase, facing softer coverage and get, catching passes from Joe Burrow? But uh, but that's kind of the way people think. And so that's kind of something to consider is the fact that you might get the most, the greatest return from T. Higgins. You might mm-hmm. get a, a, a pretty strong return from Jackson Smith and Jigba, greater return from JSN, in fact, than DK Metcalf. Even though DK Metcalf has actually shown out at this point, JSN like flashed a little, but didn't hasn't we haven't gotten the breakout that we're expecting. Mm-hmm. But I still think you're going to get a greater return. So you know, I think that you kind of pull from those guys. Um, because I think they're going to do the most in terms of upgrading other positions for you and or helping you 
if you do want to stay in the wide receiver position, but you've kind of identified those guys that you think have the, the opportunity to have the CD lamb type of season, then, you know, you, you make the move to get those guys. I think you can do that as well. The good news is you don't have to wait and find out if the narrative rings true. You can sell, get most of that value, put it elsewhere, and just have the assumption that DK Metcalf, Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, they're all going to probably score within a point or two per game of each other. Who cares? You know, start them all, start any of them. It, do- it doesn't really matter at, at, at that tier. Um, yeah. But I think we answered that question. Do you think we, we uh, captured at each position effectively? I think so. I hope so. Tell us if we didn't, though. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we'll move on to another question. Yeah, I've got one here. Um, so this person um, is in a 16-team super flex. I've never played in 16 teams, so I'm interested in your thoughts on this. It's a half PPR uh, with full PPR for tight ends. He had a pretty bad team last year and sold a few players like Antonio Gibson, Michael Hardman, Tyler Conklin. Good on you. Uh, for picks, managed to add JSN, Laporta, Mims, Puka, and Jaden Reed. Whoa. Yeah. Heck of a haul. Uh, the league is deep, so waivers are pretty bare. Um, finished in third place, but it feels like they're a competitor now. They've got... Lamar Jackson, in quotations, it says, "Sorry, John." <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm sorry that you're stuck with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, also, Matt Stafford. Okay, uh, tight ends, Laporta. So those positions are are pretty much set. Uh, at running back, Cook and Montgomery. A whole bunch of backup running backs uh, like Jaleel McLaughlin. Um, Wide receiver, they feel pretty good about having Puka, McLaurin, Jaden Reed, or JSN, uh, maybe Elijah Moore. So how would you approach this offseason to pack the flex spots with talent? Appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is a, a longtime friend of mine um, and friend of the show as well. So um, right off the top, to me, like, that that combination of of uh Lamar Jackson and Matthew Stafford is actually pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of what you want. It so real quick, it's not that I hate Lamar Jackson. It's not that that I think Lamar Jackson is a bad uh fantasy football quarterback. It's that I think that people downplay uh the risk, the lack, you know, the the low floor and give him credit just for the immense upside. The upside's mm-hmm. there, but he he also plays at his floor and a little below that, you know, fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you need somebody with a floor. Matthew Stafford tends to be that guy. Um, it also helps that you've got Puka Nakua there, so you you uh, in it, it kind of adds to your scoring floor that you've got that that stack. So. Uh, as far as the flex positions, um, I don't worry about flex positions at this point in the season. I just go for roster mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like that, I guess that's kind of the, the easy answer and I can expand on that, but, um, I'll let you, uh, let you talk on this for a minute. Yeah, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this Lamar thing. Um, I want to ask you one follow-up question. This is a 16-team super flex. 
Mm-hmm. I know you you were saying the floor may be bad, um, the ceiling may be higher for a Lamar profile. Is that a positive or a negative when you expand the number of teams in a league? Uh, I think it. I yeah, I think he is more valuable in a sixteen team league. Me too. I think I think that upside uh, does a lot more for you, the because nobody has a whole lot of floor in a sixteen team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point that in a 16 team league, Lamar Jackson is um, is a lot more usable than in a 12 team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I approach this, though, with the flex question, I don't mind being at replacement level the deeper the lineups get. Um, in this case, we have more yeah. teams, so we have more players that are being started every single week, I'm assuming, unless this is like a start six or something, which I'm guessing it's not. Um, so I'm willing to be entirely replacement level at the bottom few starting positions, as long as I have these really strong assets at the top. And so you've got Puka, you have pretty reliable volume at the wide receiver position in that profile. You have Sam Laporta, the same story there. You have a lot of the upside that we just talked about in Lamar. And so what I'm doing with this type of roster is continuing to push up to consolidate assets into my wide receiver two position or my running back two position. I'm worried less about flex and I'm more concerned about pushing up. And I may start some really ugly guys in any of these flex positions or wide receiver three type positions. I don't care about it. Like if I'm getting in a half PPR, if I'm getting eight points from my wide receiver three, God bless him. That's great. That's fine because I have Sam Laporta and he's going to bludgeon almost everybody else at the tight end position in the 16 team league. Same with Lamar Jackson. Same with, I mean, Puka McLaurin's a great wide receiver too, in this format to me. And so I think this team is really well positioned. If anything, I would recommend consolidating even further upward. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely agree with that part yet too. And you know, I, I don't think you even need to necessarily line it up by position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that you have Sam Laporta, uh, like you don't even have to say, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I've got that advantage at tight end. And so uh, it, it, you know, those flex positions um, don't matter quite as much um, because I've got the advantage at tight end. It's more, it, to me, it's like, look at the entire lineup and the more top heavy you are, the more you can get away with at those flex positions. So Mm -hmm. the more repeatable it is too. Like we feel pretty good about Puka at this point in his career. We're probably going to feel pretty good two years from now in Puka as well. So we don't have to keep patching the holes in, in the dam of value as well. The further up you go in these really deep leagues, the more you consolidate value, the more likely you are to have future production as well. So you're not only helping yourself this year, but you're probably helping yourself in future years as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of to, I, 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 like I said, I don't worry too much about the flex positions. I, I don't really worry too much about starting lineups. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a little cliche to say it just because we're not setting lineups right now. But for me, it's, it's a little different than that. Um, you know, there's the, the main thing that they'll tell you is to just, just accumulate value just make the make your roster as valuable as you possibly can. And mm-hmm. like again for me the it's more about 
uh, I'm trying to get to a particular roster build. And uh, I'm not too worried about who um, within that build is ultimately going to be my my flex starters, right? I just I just need um, I'm just trying to get to this to this build basically. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I, like, I guess it can kind of affect the way that you, uh, you approach that build in terms of the profiles that you're kind of looking for more upside again, a 16 team league. It's, it's really just kind of about that upside. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like getting, getting kind of older, like high floor, uh, starters at those at those flex positions is it, it, like it 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 doesn't do nearly as much for you in a sixteen teamer uh, as it as it does in a twelve team. We kind of want we're we're really kind of looking for the upside. Like if everybody has to start somebody in the Demir Bird freaking range, then <laughs> like <laughs> then like you know give me uh, you know Justin Watson instead. Uh -huh. You know like. If it, we're we're all playing the same game at that particular position, so um, yeah, just give me the guy with a little bit more upside. Yeah, the whole accumulate value thing in this non-point scoring season it happens every single year. It's evergreen. My question is, accumulate value until when? If you're willing to expand your range out a little further, if if you're willing to say, I want to accumulate value until October. I don't care what happens in May. I don't care what happens in June. I care what happens in October. If that's your, your target, you can get some really strong profiles right now. I mentioned Travis Kelsey earlier. People are done with him. He may have one year left. That may be it. But if you bought right now, it's really not a bad value gain with that type of a perspective, especially in this league. If you have Sam Laporta and Travis Kelsey on this team with Lamar Jackson and Puka Nakua, those assets alone could probably carry you to a buy, assuming health with each of them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the cool thing with 16 team leagues. Like mm -hmm. you don't, it, it, the more, the more teams you have in the league, the the less complete your roster or your lineup needs to be, mm -hmm. you know, and it, like, it gets a little counterintuitive because in a 12 teamer, and especially if you get into a 10 teamer, you notice that everybody's freaking loaded from top to bottom. And so you've got to find some marginal, uh, some marginal differences, but in a 16 teamer, I, it's almost impossible to get that lineup complete. So, yeah, I mean, if you, like I said earlier, just get top heavy mm -hmm. and the more top heavy you can get, the more you can focus on those stars at the top, the easier it's going to be for you to overcome an imperfect lineup. Absolutely. And you're just shooting for upside because one out of 12 is 8%. I, I can't do the math off the top of my head. You have a pretty low percentage chance of any of winning anyway. So just go for it, you know, just go for upside and almost only upside. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we, we took care of that question as well. We've got one more and I want to make sure we give it the time it deserves. Uh, so here we go. Hey, Tommy. Hope the non-point scoring season is going well for you so far. It is. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you specific to your valuation of Caleb Williams. Took over an orphan with solid running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in a tight end premium. And decent IDP. First dip into IDP. Um, only starting quarterback is Jalen Hurts. 
They were planning on maneuvering for a mid to high quarterback and trading into another top quarterback, but an offer came in from the guy with the 101. So he's asking for 105, 208, a 25 first and a 25 second. Um, they're definitely considering it since it would net the 101 to take Caleb or maybe trade into a different quarterback. Um, curious what we would do or how we'd maneuver it. So what do you think, John? Um, I'm going to let you start with this because he asked you first. Yeah, I did a similar deal today. I traded the 101 and the 201 for Jalen Hurts. Felt pretty good about it. Um, it's always kind of nerve wracking, though, when you actually trade away a 101 in February because it's like, oh, what am, what am I missing out on? What if Jalen Hurts tears an ACL or what if the value goes nuts and I could have gotten more? However, when you reach a certain echelon of profile, you just have to kind of take it. And now this manager is asking for more than what I gave up. Um, and so it, it's a pretty big ask. However, um, I would I would ask this person about the rest of their team because offering up your 25 first increases the variance of this trade. If you fall on your face, you lose big time with that 25 first added to the deal. So I would ask if they could instead offer up their 26 first, that way they can course correct instead of uh, having to suffer the consequences of a potential mistake in the next 12 months. Otherwise, I, I like the structure of the deal. I like moving up to this level of asset because there are a few quarterbacks right now, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, that you can probably make a strong push for with that 101 to acquire maybe even straight up. I'm interested in that right now. I don't know if the package necessarily is going to get you there uh, on its own. The 105, we'll see where that shakes out, but I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to get a quarterback there. 208 sounds a lot like a backup running back to me. And then the 25 first and second, that's really just flexibility that you can cash in later on down the line if you want to, or you can consolidate upward if you need to. None of those to me speak quarterback. And so if your goal is quarterback, I don't mind this type of package. I would just, I would hope that you could move the 25 into 26. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. What if you can't, what if they come back and say, no, that's my best and final. I would say thank you. And I would offer that exact package for Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and see if that got it done. <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt to just try that out first, right? Because those are the profiles I'm trying to get anyway. So let's just cut out the middleman. Yeah. Um, if that doesn't work, would I stick and pick Caleb Williams? I would. I would. I would. I would take the bold move and I would just do it because he is one of those quote unquote generational prospects that we all fall in love with. And if he is struggling in week four, he's still going to carry a lot of value. And I think I can work my way out of that box. If I get stuck, what would you do? Uh, yeah. So value wise, I it, like in a vacuum, I do think that the value is probably fine, but I'm with you. I think I would, uh, you know, first of all, nothing's in a vacuum. Shout out to Michael Finero from rookie fever mm -hmm. nothing is ever in a vacuum it, it, it's not it, in this case it's absolutely not uh there's a lot more to consider than um you know just kind of what are the the standalone values of all these picks um 
because yeah, like, I think that that the the value makes sense. The move does not, um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, I uh, first of all, yeah, I think that uh, you know, part of it is you that, that I think we do need to kind of value this rookie class based on the fact that it is going to be pretty good at quarterback. Um, you know, better than than normal. And Caleb Williams in particular seems to be a better prospect than we tend to get. Um, you know, so I think that we've got to, to, to think about it in those terms and say, all right, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm moving back a little, I'm getting a shot in 2025, but what is that rookie class going to look like? You know, is, is it gonna, is it going to make sense for me to, um, to try and wait another year for a quarterback? And uh, hope that we get something anywhere close to what Caleb Williams at least could be, you know. And the reality is, I kind of doubt it. So, I, yeah, I think you you stay put and take one on one. As I was talking, I realized that he doesn't currently have one on one. He has the rest of those picks. He does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I like. I think I would make the move for one on one. Here, here's my issue with it though. Uh, is this roster is it sounds like it's ready to rock, and so uh, it's it's really kind of wasted on you know a, a pretty complete overall roster wasted on a rookie quarterback at Superflex. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, and that's honestly even more compelling than the, the opportunity to get Caleb Williams in a year where Caleb Williams is available. <laughs> it's, it's, it's less about that for me. And it's more about, um, this, you know, where's this roster at? Uh, and you know, I think that you could really like really water that deal down and get a a good veteran starter um, to uh, to go along with Jalen Hurts uh, without giving up nearly as much. That's a really great point. I think we often are sold a, a bill of goods that rookie quarterbacks are going to help our teams in the first year, and that's just frankly not true. More often than not, it's a Joe Burrow type season where he's QB 23. I think Trevor Lawrence was QB 30 his first year. We did get CJ Stroud. Like that happened. That was awesome. It was great. But that's uncommon. Andrew Luck is uncommon. More often, we get Peyton Manning's first year where he just throws a shitload of interceptions and he's probably near or below replacement level at the super flex position. You could probably start other non-quarterbacks in that spot and match a lot of these rookie quarterbacks however Caleb Williams I think come July August September I I still think he's going to be able to carry the same value as some of these other young studs I think that you could still get into Justin Herbert pretty much whenever you want between now and week one for that pick um so I'm intrigued in tearing up. I, I usually am. And so I'm willing to make this type of move. Um, it sounds like you are as well, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I also wonder about just moving, uh, tearing down from Jalen Hurts. Like that's that's one where you and I are probably going to differ on this, but that could be an approach as well here. 
um, and try and uh, try and turn that into um, multiple quarterbacks. All right, John, show me what is it? Show me your nuts. Is that is that your your catch line? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Are we playing? Are we playing your nuts? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right yeah, Tommy. No, sell, me, sell me on this. Tell me how you would tear down from Jalen Hurts and, and why you think that would be successful. I promise to keep an open mind. Yeah. I mean, so uh, part of the tough part is who can afford to uh, to give you two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, you know, reasonable starting quarterbacks. Uh, in fact, but, um, you know, if some, if there's somebody out there who can do it, they're probably going to be willing to do it to get to Jalen hurts. Um, you probably have to give up a little bit of draft capital as well. Um, maybe those second round picks, um, but the combination of Jalen hurts and, uh, you know, this year's two Oh eight next year's random second, you know, to me that, that, most likely is enough to get you two starting quarterbacks, probably in the the range of, uh, you know, maybe you get something like a Tua and uh, um, I mean, maybe even Dak Prescott. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if you get that. That's the deal that I had in my head. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exact deal, yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're really just kind of targeting two quarterbacks in the exact same tier. Right. And so you yeah. figure out like, what's the, what's the tier that I can get to where I can get two of those guys. So, um, you know, so other guys in that area probably include guys like Brock Purdy, although he might've dropped a little bit after the Super Bowl performance. It's not like he played terribly, mm-hmm. but yeah, people just always want to hate on Mr. Irrelevant. Um, you know, they're yeah. Guys kind of in that range. Um, you could consider, especially if you can drop out some of those draft picks, you could probably get one of Tua or Dak Prescott, and then also a you know an, another tier down from there. Somebody in that the the older range, the you know the Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers type of range, Matthew Stafford. Like I think there's kind of a lot of ways to get this done. Um, but you know, it sounds like bottom line is it sounds like the big issue here is lack of quarterback depth. And, uh, I don't think Caleb Williams solves that. Um, and I think that Jalen hurts can be the catalyst to the solution. All right, John, you're not nuts. You just chose the wrong names. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I think if you're going to tear down from Jalen hurts, I think you need to have more upside in one of the profiles. You need Kyler Murray or Justin Fields in the deal. Um, and mm-hmm. any of the other guys in the tier you were talking about, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with Brock Purdy and Kyler if, if you can pull that type of deal or Justin Fields and Dak. That way, if, if you hit aces, you know, if both of them have a great year, you've got the insane rushing upside of Kyler or Fields. I wouldn't want both of them, but I'd certainly want one of them in that type of a teardown. What do you think of that? Oh, I'm good with that. And in fact, see, I, I mean, I don't think you would get it, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth uh, worth trying for. And in fact, I think a combination of quarterbacks like that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you know, so you've got the rushing upside, you know, back to just kind of um, 
just having the the two quarterbacks kind of balance each other out the same way, you know, Lamar Jackson and Matthew Stafford did you just kind of want that, that high upside guy like Justin Fields to go along with a nice safe floor with, you know, Tua or Dak Prescott. I think that's the kindest we've ever been to Justin Fields, at least when I've been on the show. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first time I've ever said I wanted to buy Justin Fields. So 2024, I'm turning over a new leaf, John. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I mean, I think we're down to about 24 starting quarterbacks at this point um, that we can confidently say are starting quarterbacks. And I think that uh, a situation like that will definitely do that. <laughs> yeah well i hope that helped and i loved all these questions i think you and i could probably spend another hour talking them through um and keep them coming y'all like let's let's keep these questions in the hopper because i love talking about them uh they're clearly what's on on your mind and that's what we're here for absolutely yeah that's uh like i said that's that's why we say at the end of this thing and i'm about to say it again as we wrap it up but this is how we uh, zero in on the topics that are the most useful to people because uh, we involve people in the conversation. And uh, when you take advantage of that, uh, we get to uh, to talk about some really specific and uh, really topical scenarios. So um, always appreciate that. Always welcome that. Um, you know, we're not even necessarily like angling for an AMA episode. We've got some awesome guests coming up over the next couple of weeks, but Anytime we get a question that's specifically meant for the podcast, we're going to bring it here. Um, we'll ask our guests if, if that's what it takes, um, because, you know, above all else, I think that we want to discuss the things that uh, that you're working through right now. Like us just coming up with with the topics, um, you know, a lot of times we're talking to a very, very niche market. But when we're talking about somebody, something that's on everybody's mind, uh, you know, it's 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 just a lot more useful and a lot more actionable. Absolutely. And it, it helps both of us grow as podcasters, as dynasty managers ourselves, and hopefully the listeners who are thinking about similar types of questions that can now use these strategies in their own leagues. Yep, Absolutely. So yeah, great questions. We appreciate them. Um, like I said, like I said earlier, you can always DM them. You can always add us if uh, if you want as well. Um, whatever you prefer, but uh, we we always welcome those questions and those thoughts and considerations, and um, we'll take them here uh, onto the podcast every opportunity we get. So let's wrap this one up for the week. And as we do that, I ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And once you subscribe to the Super Show, if you do us a huge fa favor and rate and review this show, it uh, helps us to, again, get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation, get more questions and DMs and, and mentions. And uh, from there, we're more likely to catch those topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. You can get at us on X. He's at FF Tommy B. I'm at Superflex Dude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexible.